Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. Brought to us by By the Yard Patio Furniture down there in Jordan, Minnesota. That family-run business, they're great people and they make great furniture. And speaking of great, Julie oh, Weisenhorn is with geez. us. From What a segue, huh? From... <laughs> From the University You're of Minnesota. Smooth. Yeah. <laughs> and it's good to see you. Happy New Year yeah, to you guys. Happy New Year to you too. Yeah, thank you. We uh, asked Julie to come back here because we need the help. I can't answer these <laughs> questions myself. And if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, now is your chance to chat with uh, uh, Julie either by phone or send a text if you like. Uh, we've cleared the lines 651 989 9226. And if you're a regular listener, you know we tend to get a little busy around here. So call us, text us as soon as you can. Text number, by the way, is 81807. The text came in a few minutes ago, Julie, as you see. Is it too early to start seeds? Yeah. Well, it depends on the seeds that you're thinking about starting. Pansies take a long time, and they're a great early spring flower. Uh, Geraniums. Uh, January, mid-January or so. So you need to look at the seeds and and then uh, it'll tell you, you know, start six to eight weeks before putting them outside and just count backwards from around Memorial Day or so. Okay. So some of those seeds take a long time to germinate. I haven't seen, uh, maybe I saw one catalog so far at home. I got three. You have three (laughs) already. Just put them in my green room. I did. You and I just started briefly talking about it when we were about to go on, but I heard a news story, I saw it on Channel 4, about some critter or whatever from, it's not from around here, from North Carolina. Tell tell us what this is about. Sure, it's called the Elongate Hemlock Scale, and it was found uh, by our uh, Minnesota Department of Ag on Evergreen Products, from right now, they found it on Home Depot and Menards products. So these are Christmas trees, wreaths, boughs, garlands, whatever living living stuff. And uh, and so they're asking that if you bought your evergreen materials from either of these stores, that you uh, con- that you uh, burn or bag and throw in the trash those materials. Don't co- compost don't them. compost them, and don't just toss them out your back door. Uh, this is a the elongate hemlock scale feeds on the underside of the needles, mm. and if you turn the needles upside down, if you turn the branches over, you'll see they're kind of bl- it's kind of black. It can get kind of brown, spotty looking. Um, but even if you don't see that, because it can sometimes be hard to see that, be sure that you dispose of those products properly. In other words, again, don't compost and don't just toss them out your door. Uh, but you want to burn them or bag them and dispose of them in the trash. And as far as uh, 
purchasing your uh, greens from locally. Uh, yeah, so, locally. So that's is, okay. Yep, that's right. We have not found this insect in Minnesota yet, and we're hoping that we don't. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so you can do your part by disposing of your evergreen products properly. Wow. It's always yeah. something. It's always something. Yeah. Yeah. Say, so when are the abiders going to be playing next? Hey, we're playing New Year's Eve. Woohoo! All right. <laughs> we'll be out at Surfside Bar and Grill uh, out in Mound. And uh, we start about 9 o'clock, and they have a great surf and turf uh, dinner that you can uh, make a reservation for and, and mm. come join us, ring in the new year. It'll you're be making, a gas. You're making me hungry. I know. Already. I know. I like surf <laughs> what, what, and turf. What, 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 what after that? Anything after the new uh, year? We're going to be out at the American Legion in Hopkins on January 11th and 12th. Know so exactly we have a where that is. Two night gig. All right. Yeah. We'll mention that too before you leave us. Speaking of leaves, the leaves on my peace plant, Texter says, are turning brown. What could be causing this? Well, the peace lily is uh, has a sensitivity to fluoride. So if you are watering with uh, tap water that's treated with fluoride, uh, then or fluorine, I guess it is. Uh, then you want to switch to something like distilled water or the reverse osmosis water you can get at the grocery store or rainwater if you happen to be stocking it. We had a lot of rain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Might have a little outside. Of course, it could be frozen now. Um, so uh, some people even melt snow to water their mm. plants. Why not? Yeah, a little extra work. But at any rate, uh, that could be causing the problem. We see that in the tips of those leaves very often because of that fluorine sensitivity um, if they're just turning brown overall, it could be that you're overwatering the plant and you might have a little root rot going on. You might want to repot that plant. Uh, remember with your house plants to uh, be sure that the pots are draining well. We often put our house plants in decorative pots or they come in that foil wrapper. Be sure to take them out of that, set them in the sink, and water them. Let them drain well, and you can put them back in that decorative pot or that foil. Okay. Good idea. Back to the phones we go. Debbie is calling from New Hope with a question. Good morning, Debbie. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, thanks for taking my call. On the Christmas wreath, my daughter and I, well, I bought two of them from Menards, but we put them on cemetery graves uh, for smelling. So does the cemetery dispose of them? Boy, that's that's a good question, and uh, I can't answer that, but I would, uh, I'll would i probably send that on over to the MDA, to the Minnesota Department of Ag, for them to remember, to remind uh, some of the public gardens and public spaces like cemeteries. That's a great, great tip. I'll go ahead and let them know that. And with our uh, tons of listeners that we have, we may get uh, a reply to that. Uh, but that's a great question. Yeah, if there's anybody who yeah, is a, a caregiver or caretaker of that, for uh, those uh, for cemeteries, let us know. All right. Uh, six. Thanks, Debbie. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six is the phone number. Otherwise, send Julie a text eight one eight zero seven. Uh, Happy New Year, Texter says. We had to get rid of several beautiful ash trees due to green ash borer disease. I wanted to ask if there's a program at Goodhue County that helps with replacing, or rather replanting new trees, and if uh, so, what trees would you recommend? Well, that's a, yeah, that's a good question. I would reach out to the county offices. You could contact uh, the Master Gardeners also in Goodhue County. They're an active group. And find out, uh, you can call the Extension Office and uh, ask about that. Um, the DNR has, you know, you could certainly buy trees from the DNR, and they'll ship those to you. Ash trees are great shade trees. It's really a shame that the emerald ash borer came around, but um, but it's 
you know, it's important to have diversity in our landscapes. And after the tornadoes where we lost, or after DED, the Dutch elm disease, mm-hmm. where we lost so many of the elms, we wound up replanting with ash trees. Great street trees, tough, beautiful, um, but now we have the emerald ash borer. So I would suggest that you look at a diverse number of plants, in other words, a variety of different trees. Um, there's honey locusts for shade. We have some Dutch elm resistant Dutch elm disease resistant uh, elms now that are out there. Um, there's lots of different trees that are uh, are good options. So, uh, but look for a variety. Lindens, lindens are great. Um, maples, we have a lot of good maples. Can you get some Oaks. good ideas from the website? Yeah, yeah. Our extension site, we have uh, some good tree suggestions on that. That's extension.umn.edu. And you can click on uh, Find Plants, and we have a plant selection database called the Plant Elements of Design. You can enter in your conditions and find some good trees that are good options there too. But there's a lot of good tree publications too that you can read about. If you want to call Julie with your lawn or garden question, the line is open at 651-989-9226. Send a text, if that's easier, 81807. Let's take a break, Dennis. We'll uh, do that and we'll come back with more phone calls and more text messages here on our Smart Garden Show presented by our friends at By the Yard. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO. We're around every Saturday in the uh, 8 o'clock hour. This morning, Julie Weisenhorn is with us from the University of Minnesota, and we'll give that uh, website again and again because yes. you guys work hard on it. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. That's it's, a labor of love. It's styling now. And what is, what is the uh, – folks just joining us, what is the Extension. website? Extension.umn.edu, and you want to look under Yard and Garden. If you want some good wintertime reading. Yeah, yeah. yeah We've been working hard on the web pages. Yeah. We have excellent houseplant stuff I've been – that's what I've been focused on you the have? most, okay. yeah, including one on managing insect pests and household plants. That's a good one. Which is a very good one. Yeah, Jeff Hahn, our entomologist, and I worked on that one. Jeff has uh, uh, helped us out on CCO. Mm-hmm. For, uh, Jeff has been, been around for a few years. Yeah. Yeah, knows yeah. his stuff. More than he cares to, <laughs> cares to admit. But, yeah, super smart guy. My goodness. Should we go to Missouri? I think Sandy wow, has been waiting Missouri. there with a question. Good oh morning, Sandy. God. Where in Missouri are you? Good morning. Uh, wh- I'm sorry, I didn't you understand fr- you. Where are you in Missouri? Um, down in the southwest, in a Springfield, Branson type Holy area. Holy cow. Oh, sure. All right. Well, it was nice of you to join yeah. us. Sue. How can we help you? Uh, wild. There's wild viruses out in the woods that I've brought in from the raspberries to my tame raspberries. And what I've read is that I need to pull them all up and burn them, the roots and all. I'm just wondering about the dirt, if there's something I can do to the dirt, if that needs more protection. I don't think that the viruses will affect the soil. I, think, I am so happy. Yeah, to hear I think that. it's just in the it'd be just in the plants. But you are right that when you have a virus, just like human viruses, there's no no nothing you can treat it with. Okay. So there's no virucides out there. All right. Well thank you very much. Yeah, happy welcome. New Year, Sandy. And to you also. Yeah, thank happy you New much. Year. And that's I would I would also say that uh, I would plant a different kind of raspberry just to be sure. Oh, that's good. Because point. sometimes other some cultivars are a little more susceptible to some of those viruses. If you have a lawn or garden question like Sandy, call it in or text it in six five one nine eight nine nine two two six text. We have a few of those eight one eight zero seven. Here's one. Texting away. What are some vegetable garden options for an area that has mm-hmm. been used to grow tomatoes, potatoes, and squash yeah. in prior years? What do you mm-hmm. think? Okay, so, well, uh, the nightshade family, which are tomatoes, potatoes, tomatillos, eggplants, and peppers, uh, need to be rotated. 
And rotation can be kind of tricky because some people have very small garden beds. They have maybe one designated area. Maybe it's the only full sunspot they have in their yard. So uh, what I would recommend is that some of those plants grow really, really well in containers like peppers. Peppers do great in containers. The nice thing about growing them in containers is you can change the soil out every year. And I would use that soil in my yard. I either compost that soil, dump it in my compost bin, or I uh, use it for ornamentals, put in some ornamental flowers. The reason we rotate those is that those plants in particular have a variety of different pathogens that affect them, and they reside down in the soil, and they can transfer every year to the next nightshade plant that you put in. So you want to, that's why we say rotate those plants in particular. So if you've been growing them in your garden, uh, you can look at growing them in containers for a few years. You can rotate them if you have enough space, move them around. And how far is going to depend on how much room you have. Um, If you haven't had any issues, then, you know, I would still recommend rotating those. You can also choose resistant plants. You can look for plants that are resistant to different viruses and uh, different soil pathogens uh, that that come along. So uh, choosing a resistant variety is a good way to go as well. As far as squash goes, squash borer is sometimes a problem that we have. And again, you can can move those plants around. You also want to be diligent about watching those plants. And as soon as you notice that there's a vine that suddenly just dies, Cut that vine out. In fact, you could probably slit it open, and you could probably find a little uh, larvae in there. Hmm. That is the borer. And the borers basically do just what their name says. They bore through those uh, vines and kill that vine. So you want to be a diligent gardener also. I know a lot of people are, um, but be out there really watching your plants and taking notice of that and getting rid of anything that, like the woman from Missouri and the viruses, is you find a virus on something, you got to get that plant out of there. There's no cure for it. Hmm. Just get it out of there, get the roots out of there, everything you can, and so that it, your rest of your plants don't uh, come and uh, become uh, infected with that. Makes sense. Back to the phones we go, Julie. Clarence is calling from uh, St. Paul with a question. Uh, Clarence, you're on CCO with Julie. I brought my plants in this fall. I got some little tan moss, and every now and then I still have to swat a couple of moss. Is it possible they came in off the plants? Boy, hard to say without knowing what those moths are. They're really um, small. They're about tan and about maybe a half inch wide. Well, they, I would think maybe white flies might be something, but they're really white. They're not, they might look a little tan, though. Um, they could have come in on the plants. Yep. Uh, hard to say, though, without knowing exactly or taking a look at that plant. Is there, uh, like we mentioned, uh, Jeff Hahn, uh, mm-hmm. as far as entomologists, yeah. is, is there something on the website that people y- could yes, look at? Yes, you could, if you could get a picture of it, and that would be hard to do, especially because they're flying around, uh, you could send them to ask, uh, ask a Master Gardener, and that is on our website on the Yard and Garden page. The other option is take a look at managing insects on indoor plants. It's under the house plant section of our website, and there's information about uh, white flies. That's the only thing that I might think that it is, is white flies. And there's information about how to manage it culturally as well as with chemicals. If the plants are not super valuable, if you don't, you know, if you just brought them in because you, you know, want to try growing them over the winter, but they're not, they don't hold a lot of value, you could just throw them out and see if that takes care of your problem. Okay. 
651-989-9226. That's the phone number. Or text to Julie, 81807. Let's go back to the phones. Will is calling from Minneapolis, I believe. Will, you're on CCO. Good morning. Yeah, I'm one of those people who only has like a little tiny place where I can grow tomatoes. Sure. Some, whatever. So I've actually tried something that works, seems to work pretty well for me. I took the area uh, before it had any nice shaped plants in it, covered it with uh, heavy black plastic, and then I took big tree pots, like you know, really huge ones, like 18 inch diameter. Right. I cut the bottoms out of them, sunk them into the plastic, and every year I dig out the dirt that's in them and replace it. And it seems that the plastic um, keeps the pathogens or whatever from spreading like they do in the dirt. I've actually had really good luck. I've been doing it for about six years now. Okay. Well, that's great. That's that's uh, certainly uh, digging out, taking out the soil is a great idea. And um, and covering, well, covering with plastic, that's you're actually using that plastic like a mulch, basically. Mm. Um, and... Uh, uh, yeah, so that's that's an idea. Nice comment. Sure. Thank you, yeah, Will. Yeah, thanks for letting us know. Happy New Year to you. Thanks for taking the time to call us. Yeah, we, uh, thank you. have a line open if you want to call in your question for Julie, 651-989-9226. Again, text us, if that's easier, uh, 81807. Uh, where am I? Oh, regarding those bugs on holiday greenery, here in St. Paul, we're not allowed to put garden material in our garbage. Burning is not an option for many. Now what? Yeah, boy. Good question. I think what I would do is first I would contact your garbage carrier because they have special pickup for uh, Christmas trees and things like that. Um, I would also contact um, uh, the city of St. Paul and just ask them if they're, you know, if there's some way that you can dispose of those safely. You can also call the Department of Agriculture and ask them what to do in this case. But um but contact your garbage carrier first. I know ours, our garbage carrier will come and make a special pickup for things like organics, like trees and particularly Christmas trees at this time of year. So not everybody can burn them. Not everybody wants them lying around their yards. And so uh, we're really encouraging that. If you didn't buy your greenery at one of the big box stores, then I wouldn't worry too much about it. If it's, a locally, if it's locally grown, then you're in good shape. Very good. Julie, we need to take our usual break at this time. We have another half hour of the show to go. If you want to phone phone in your uh, lawn or garden questions, 651-989-9226. Send a text. Again, if that's easier, we've got a few of those, 81807. And good morning. Welcome back to our uh, Smart Garden Show presented to us every week by our friends at By the Yard Outdoor Furniture. We have callers. We have Texas. Julie Weisenhorn's in Mm -hmm. helping us out here from the U of M on this uh, Holiday this is a weekend. more diverse number of questions that we've had yeah, <laughs> in is. other years yeah. in, on December 29th. Think can really vary. Yeah, but. people have a lot of good questions. If you have a question, you can thinking. call it in. There's one line open at 651-989-9226. Texas 81807. Who's been waiting? Diane is right. waiting there in Minneapolis. Diane, good morning. Good morning, and thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Good morning. The reason I'm calling is I have a catalpa tree in my backyard. Ooh. That is at least 50 years old. Love those. There's nothing wrong with the tree. However, what has happened, the roots of the tree have forced a pipe out of the ground <gasps> that has electrical wires in it. Uh-oh. Now, I have been told that they're going to have to dig up part of the yard to, you know, to, uh, sure. to fix this issue. What worries me is, in all this digging and everything, if they damage 
some of the roots to this tree. Is this going to kill the tree? Well, it's hard to predict if it would kill the tree, because, um, but they definitely need to take into consideration, especially the main uh, root flare, the, the main, those main big roots that you're seeing, and uh, going to have to work really carefully around it and, and re, you know, disturb it as little as possible. But a big tree like that can lose some of its roots and still survive. It can. I, yep. I, you know, I've been so worried about that because it's a beautiful tree. Sure. And uh, it's amazing. I mean, the, the roots, I never realized how shallow these roots are. Yeah, tree roots actually don't go much deeper than about 18 to 20 inches down. And then all of a sudden, this pipe is coming out of the ground, and it's the roots that were forcing it out of right, the ground. Right, right. Yeah, as they're growing. But I was just worried about losing the tree. Yeah, I would. I would suggest that if that the days that they're working on it, that you take those days off from work and you be there to uh, to kind of keep an eye on that. And uh, and you might want to contact, depending on what county you live in or what city you live in. There's a, some cities have uh, foresters on staff, and you might want to contact them to see if there's any advice that they might be able to give you, or contact a certified tree arborist. And have that person on hand also to kind of uh, watch that too. So it, it'd be a lot of coordination, but I think a, a, a tree of that nature and that age is really valuable, not only just from the beauty and the, the you know love of the tree, but also for your property value as well. You don't want to lose it. We've mentioned it in the past too. We've got a lot of great certified arborists. We do, here. yeah, yeah. We have a publication on our website on extension.umn.edu under the trees and shrubs section on how to hire a certified arborist, mm. and uh, and that you know that might be an option. You can also go to the International Society of Arboriculture and uh, look at that, and you can put in your zip code, and it'll bring up a lot of uh, you know all the uh, folks in your area that are certified arborists. Very good. Let's go to Brooklyn Center. Our next stop, Judy, is there with a question. Judy, you're on with Julie. Good morning. morning. Good morning. I have a question about an amaryllis. Sure. I had got the plants last year, and there was a bud, but it never bloomed. I don't know if I overwatered or underwatered or what have you, but I saved it, and I think it was the end of October that I had replanted and everything, and I have the leaves, but I don't see any bud. Is it hopeless? (laughs) Well, sometimes they will uh, not have enough energy to produce a bud. Sometimes uh, they will produce a bud after they produce the leaves, and sometimes they produce a bud first. So uh, what I would recommend is to grow that plant as a house plant and appreciate those nice leaves. And in the summer, when Mm -hmm. it warms up, is to take the pot, just set the pot outside, and uh, and grow it as an outdoor uh, decker patio plant, and then bring it back inside. What it does is is be allowing it to grow through the summer allows it to to put more energy back into its into its bulb, and then hopefully it would it would produce a uh, a bud for you in the winter. Mine just started to bud, so I've got one that's blooming at my house, but I have a couple others that are slowly producing buds, and uh, they were just out on the deck. They're really easy to grow, actually, just. Keep them growing all year long. We do have a good publication on amaryllis, too. That's under the houseplant section on our website. Hmm. The website is? I wrote it myself. You did? (laughs) In response to all the questions. Yeah, the website is extension.umn.edu. Go to Yard and Garden, and uh, and you're going to go down to the houseplant section and look for amaryllis. You can also just Google it. You know, our listeners never disappoint when it comes to Creeping Charlie. <laughs> and this uh, this texter says, will, will below zero weather kill Creeping Charlie? Or does it just kind of go to sleep? 
It's just dormant. Yeah. It's actually an evergreen. It's Is green it really? under the snow. Yeah, if you dug down, you'd see it's green, probably flourishing. flourishing. <laughs> <laughs> probably just taking a break. No, I don't think it's going to kill the creeping Charlie. All right. right. Uh, By the way, text is 81807. If you have a lawn or garden question you want to send via text, 81807. Or call us, 651-989-9226. Let's go to Bloomington. Judy is there with a question. Judy, you're on CCO with Julie. Thank you. A tree that I bought at Home Depot for Christmas, I put in a half barrel outside to decorate. Okay. When I dispose of the tree properly, do I need to do anything with the soil that it's now in? Not that I know of. Um, That's a good question. Um, I don't know that. That would be a good question to contact the uh, Minnesota Department of Ag and ask them about that. I don't know if the the scale actually – no, I don't think you do because the scale is just a foliage insect. It's not – it doesn't live in the soil. Doesn't okay. Yeah, so I think it's just getting rid of the tree itself. Should be fine. Okay, thank you. Thank think, you, Judy. I had to think through that one for a minute. That well, makes sense, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you just mentioned. Well, this is a while ago. A texter says the linden trees. Sadly, they are big attractors oh, of the Japanese beetles. I knew that, that was going to come up <laughs> oh. as soon as I said that. They are. Yeah, Japanese beetles like linden trees. Mm-hmm. Beautiful tree. Though. We just finished our new publication on Japanese beetles as well. Wow. Jeff and I. So. Uh, yeah, that's uh, your. I know that that question is going to start coming as soon as we turn the corner in 2019. But um, but take a look at that. Um, but yes, linden trees are one of the plants that they do like. Another question: We we started something here as far as the uh, the evergreen, the greens. Mm-hmm. If they were bought at those stores that you have mentioned, the texter wants to know: Do I need to take apart the winter pots now? Not now, no. no. But as soon as you start to change them over, then you would. You just want to be able. You just want to dispose of them properly. And don't let them sit there till May. Sometimes you see a brown wreath on yes. somebody's door. But you want to dispose <laughs> of them before it warms up and, and, again, in those two ways. And I, if you cannot burn and you I, – again, I would reach out to your garbage carrier and see if they would uh, do a special pickup for your greens. Okay. Get your neighbors together. Spread the word. I have a feeling we'll be hearing more about yeah, this. Yeah, yep. I think yeah. we'll be hearing more about it. Text number, by the way, 81807. Here is one, Julie. Is there anything to worry about having raspberries, grapes, and strawberries in the same area? Mostly worried about spreading diseases between the plants. Well, they're all from a different uh, different uh, genus, different family. And, uh, and so they, viruses will not spread between those. And uh, but they do, you know, there's things like gray mold and things like that that affect all of them. Those are not viruses. Those are a a fungi. So there are some of those things that may may look similar, but um, like powdery mildew might be one. But uh, not necessarily. There isn't going to be it's not like with the nightshade family where those viruses and pathogens will affect those plants. So uh, I wouldn't worry too much about that. For those just joining us, we had a caller earlier that said there was a, he thought there were these small moths. Yeah. Wasn't sure of that. This texture says the moth problem could be yes. wool or cereal moths. Yeah, great. Thank you for pointing that out. They could be, uh, and we have some publications on household insects, and there's one on, I think they're called Indian meal moths. And uh, and they're found in yeah things like they're found in household products like they're found in cereals and and flour and they're found they emerge and and they also can be found in wool 
and fabric. So mm. that could be the problem, not your plants. Interesting. That's why it's important to identify the insect properly. What kind of uh, host or hostess gifts are people receiving this time of year? What kind of plants? Uh, well, a lot of people bring poinsettia, okay. which we have a new publication that I just finished. Uh, also, amaryllis are great. Bottles of wine are terrific. Don't have to water them. <laughs> it's food. And, uh, yeah, it's food. Yeah, any food. Uh, also, things like greenery, you know, wreaths or centerpieces, um, bouquets of flowers, cat- Christmas cactus. Things like what that. Are, what are you reading there? That no, no, no. I was just wondering about that. I was thinking about asking you that oh, okay. at the top of the show, <laughs> but I didn't. Eight one eight zero seven is the text. Thought we were going somewhere with that. No, 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 no. Uh, here's a text. Uh, the previous owner of our home planted strawberries in a portion of the garden. Now, oh. twenty five years later, the strawberries have quote turned wild and oh. migrated to every mm-hmm. portion of our lawn and garden. Any <laughs> yeah, remedies I, to I stem imagine. their spread? Uh, well, you would you would want to use a broadleaf herbicide to kill those plants, uh, and also then renovating or digging up uh, your strawberry patch. Um, it depends if you want to have strawberries at all. If you don't, kill them off. If you do and you want to keep them contained, uh, you can uh, just get rid of those that you don't want in your lawn. That that could be a real nuisance. Uh, and then uh, just work on growing that patch in a healthy way. So, again, publication on renovating strawberry uh, uh, patches is on our fruit section of our website. All right. Bob is calling from Excelsior, I believe. Bob, you're on with Julie. Good morning. Yes, good morning, Julie. Uh, the lady that had the large tree and yes. the wire was pushing, it was pushing the wire out of the ground. Yes, what she could do is contact her electrical contractor, and they can bore the wire under the ground, you know, okay. go down three feet and without disturbing the ground at all. That's a great idea. Yeah. And it's a little more expensive, but the tree is more valuable than, uh, than it would cost. That's great. Bob, yeah. it sounds like you have experience in that. I, I do. Oh, great. Are you an electrical <laughs> contractor? No, a building building okay. contract. Okay, great. Awesome. Well, thanks for that advice. I hope she was still listening. We have greatest yeah, listeners. Yeah, we do. We have the best listeners. Well, let's Thank take you. a break right now, Julie. We have more show to come. So those folks, if you want to call in your Alana Garden question, 651-989-9226, or send a text, and we'll grab some more of those, too, when we come back. That number is 81807. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show around every Saturday here in the 8 o'clock hour. Every Saturday. And you don't mind it. Round. You kind of yeah, have fun, I love doing you? this. Yeah, yeah this love is like one of the too. best parts of extension. 651-989-9226. Julie Weisenhorn in studio. And again, the abiders, your oh, group. Oh, New Year's Eve. Woohoo! At? At uh, Surfside in Mound, hometown. About 9 o'clock? Start at 9 o'clock. Yeah, they got a surf and turf deal going on for mm. dinner. So come on out and... Fill your bellies and then dance it all off. <laughs> Good <laughs> exercise. All right. Uh, we have a, a Texas, and we promised we'd, we'd get uh, to yes. them. Now, let's see, where did I leave off here? Oh, what about spruce tops from these yep. various stores? Same That's thing. included? Any, okay. Anything. Garland spruce tops. Um, yep. Let's see. I store uh, my garden supplies in my detached garage. I have my leftover seeds out there, too. Is it okay to store seeds in the garage where they can freeze, or should I bring them mm. inside? Uh, they're probably okay, but you can, you can test them out. Uh, it's called a ragdoll method. And so take some of those seeds 
and wet a paper towel, sprinkle a few of them out, uh, roll up that paper towel or fold it up, put it in a Ziploc bag, and just set it someplace warm, like on top of your fridge or under your kitchen sink, uh, wherever it's warm. And then after a few days, check it to see if they sprouted, and that will tell you if the, most of the seeds are viable. Okay. Uh, hi, you Julie. You storm in the fridge. Texter says, I'm growing some veggies in our sunroom. Do you think I need artificial lights for cloudy mm-hmm. days? Well, probably wouldn't hurt, uh, especially if you want them to fruit. That's going to be the hardest part. And um, But if you're growing greens, uh, you know, maybe not. And, and she doesn't say how they're actually, how it's actually going, you know, if they're growing well or not. Um, but if you're, um, if you're growing them to start the seeds to put them outside, this is pretty early for that. But if you're growing them to eat them indoor, as indoor plants, uh, then yes, I'd probably use some artificial lights. And you can buy grow lights online or at some of our brew and grow places. They have grow light systems that you can buy. And, uh, and you're looking for red and blue lights, in your L- and they're LED lights now. Um, you can use a fluorescent light as well. We have some good starting seeds information also on the website, too, that you can take a look at that and lighting requirements for household plants. So take a look at some of those. But you can talk to those folks. They know a lot at those at the brew and grow places. Okay. Uh, text By the way, text number 81807. Are rose gardens feasible in oh, Minnesota? Yeah, absolutely, they're feasible. We have a lot of hardy shrub roses. That was That's one of the areas that the university has done an awful lot of breeding over the years. And uh, the latest rose, I think, that was released was called Summer Waltz, and it grew successfully at the Arboretum for many, many years. Uh, Bailey Nursery, which is a wholesale uh, a nursery and uh, plant breeder and grower and partner at the U, uh, they are very, um, very active in rose breeding. And so if you look for Bailey roses, and I would recommend the hardy shrub roses. They don't require uh, protection over the winter. They are beautiful. A lot of them will bloom all summer long. They don't uh, have to be buried or covered or anything like that. So take a look at some of those. But, uh, yeah, big big uh, rose breeding area here in Minnesota. You mentioned, Julie, the Arboretum. I was looking at a text that came in, I think it was yesterday or the day before, uh, about uh, we have relatives or friends coming in. Can oh, you tell sure. us a place where to, to, to bring them? And, and yeah. that, that would be a, a great stop. Yep, that would be a great place to go. They have a gorgeous light display going on now. So if you wanted to go later in the afternoon when it gets, gets a little darker, mm-hmm. uh, those lights are beautiful. And indoors is just spectacular. They have a their big uh, tree that they put orchids on. They have poinsettias all over it. It's amazing, <laughs> amazing. And uh, lots of decorations, and you can uh, you can have lunch or or you know breakfast out there, and uh, great food, wine and beer. Uh, you can go to the conservatory and check out the orchids that are growing. It's a great place to be. And to find it, you go west on five. West on five, just past forty one. And it's right there. Mm-hmm. All right, texture says this, Julie. What is a good low growing ground cover to use instead of mulch on a slope? The mulch keeps washing out into the lawn area. Oh sure, yeah. Uh, well, any kind of a low-growing uh, tough grass would be good. That doesn't require mowing. Um, some of our fescues are, are, we have some fescue mixes that have been tested for a, a, a no-mow type grass. Uh, certainly any kind of ornamental grasses are great. Uh, as far as a ground cover itself goes, uh, there's a lot of different uh, ground covers that you can choose Um 
there's some that get a little bit aggressive, and that's uh, you'd have to decide that. It depends on how large the space is. I would also look at pop- possibly some low-growing shrubs. Um, uh, Deervilla lanicera, which is a low-bush honeysuckle, is a native plant of ours. It's a terrific plant for holding in soil on hillsides. It's very low-maintenance. I think you can cut it down you know, every couple of years. It has some tiny flowers, but it has some nice fall color. And that's a great plant also. So there's some low-growing shrubs like that, grow low, uh, low gross, grow low sumac, I think, or low-grow sumac. Uh, <laughs> that's about a two-foot plant also. That's a good uh, hillside plant. But, good options. Yeah, lots of – and I would diversify. Choose a lot of different things. Choose some perennials and some low-growing shrubs and um, make a really nice-looking hillside. Don't just plaster it with the same thing. I, sure. I do some diverse things. Think about pollinators. The texter says, is it uh, an okay time to prune oak trees, and how about maples? Uh, oak trees you can prune now. Our, our oak uh, wilt risk is uh, not a, not going on right now. It's a, a, the lowest it can be in the winter. And you can prune maples. Yep, you can prune those now as well. Uh, again, if you have any really major trees to prune, contact a certified arborist and have them come out and, and hire them to do that pruning. They'll do it in the right way, and they'll dispose of the materials and, and uh, you know, help you out with that. Is there a good way, uh, somebody wants to know, text-wise, to kill Japanese beetles while they're still in the ground? Oh, boy, that's a whole show right there. <laughs> I bet it is. Um, I, would, I would take a look at that new Japanese beetle publication that we, that we just finished and put up online. You'll find it uh, under the insect section, what insect is this, and, uh, or you can just Google it as well. And that will explain the life cycle of the Japanese beetle. So uh, uh, killing the grubs, uh, it's a certain time of the year to do that. There's nothing you can do now or even in early spring, but um, it's, you'll have to read, read that publication. That's probably the best explanation I can make in okay. the short time that we have sure. here. <laughs> If a uh, texter says this, Julie, if I redo old landscaping around my yard, should I put landscape fabric around the new shrubs and then put down new mulch on that fabric, or should I just skip the fabric? Uh, I would skip the fabric. You only need fabric if you're putting down rock mulch or some artificial, uh, like, ground-up tires. That's one. That's a mulch that's available out there. Um, wood mulch will break down. It'll improve your soil. Uh, it also will tend to slide off of fabric. And so the fabric becomes exposed. And so it's really not necessary. The fabric is an added expense. Um, And one of the things about fabric is if you're going to continue to plant in that area, you have to then cut through the fabric, and it can get to be a real hassle. So uh, with wood mulch, you do not need fabric, only if you're choosing uh, an inorganic mulch like rock or rubber tires or something like that, ground-up tires. Got about a minute to go, Julie. Why are the leaves laying down on the amaryllis? Soil is damp. Might be too damp. Might be too damp. Uh, amaryllis actually like to be fairly dry, and uh, excessive water can cause root rot. And uh, and those leaves are probably just uh, maybe a little bit overwatered. They if might have want, also just bent down too. If be you uh, before we run out of time, Julie, good to see. You. Happy New Year! Yeah, to Happy you guys. New Year! Yeah. Uh, and if you want to see Julie and the rest of her group, the Abiders, yeah. it's going to be New Year's Eve at Surfside and Mound. Yep, you can go to my Facebook page and find out all about it or go to the abiders. Easy enough to find. Yeah. And I uh, hope you guys have a great New Year. Yeah, have fun. happy New Year. Have fun. And they'll, well, we'll see you down the road here. Yeah, I'll be here, I think, next week. Oh, good. Very good. <laughs> we'll catch up with you then. Thanks, Julie. All right.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.